we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Knowledge is absolutely necessary to earn a livelihood, but why should I accumulate psychological knowledge? Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and authority. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is knowledge. Upcoming themes are analysis, society and meditation. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please see our official YouTube channel for hundreds of video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's full talks and shorter extracts. We are a non-profit charity and rely on your support to continue to preserve and make Krishnamurti's work available. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This week's episode on knowledge has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in San Francisco, 1973, titled The Function of Knowledge. We've got great many images, conclusions. And so the mind is never free to observe. Having accumulated these Conclusions through education, through relationship, through propaganda, and a thousand different ways. Can the mind, which functions with conclusions, therefore mechanical, and relationship is not mechanical? Though we have reduced relationship to a a routine, to a a mechanical process, we have to understand very deeply the meaning of that word knowledge and the freedom from knowledge in relationship. Knowledge is necessary. Otherwise, you and I could not possibly communicate verbally, because you know English and the speaker knows English. To do anything functionally, knowledge is necessary. How to ride a bicycle, how to, on the other hand, not technologically. 
function, to function efficiently, objectively, rationally, knowledge is necessary. But we use function to achieve status. And when you watch, when there is the pursuit of status in function, there is division and hence conflict between function and status. Which is part of our relationship with each other. When you are seeking in function status, then to you Status is far more important than function. And hence, in that, there is conflict in, inwardly as well as outwardly. And to observe this, to observe how the mind works in relationship that through function it is seeking status and therefore in relationship there is conflict as well as there is conflict where there is division between you and another, between you who have knowledge about your husband or about your boyfriend, girlfriend, all the rest of it, then that knowledge acts as division. Therefore, it is only when the mind is free or rather is aware of the function in knowledge and the necessity of knowledge, and see the danger, the poison of knowledge in relationship. I hope this is clear. Look, if I'm married to you, I'm not, thank God. If I'm married to you, and I've lived with you, I have accumulated great deal of knowledge about you in the relationship. That knowledge has become the image of you. You have given me pleasure, sex, insulted me, nagged me, bullied me, dominated me, saying women are more important than men, you know all that's going on in the world. How childish all this is! How utterly immature! I have built an image about you. Maybe one of one, one day old or ten years old. That image divides me from you, and you have an image about me, 
So, our relationship is between these two images. Therefore, there is no relationship at all. And realizing this, is it possible to live in a world, in this world? with knowledge, which is absolutely necessary, and the freedom from that knowledge in relationship. Because when there is freedom from that knowledge in relationship, division ceases. And therefore, (coughs) conflict in relationship comes to an end. Because as one observes in the world more and more, conflict is increasing. Misery, confusion, sorrow is everywhere. And in the mind, is an anxiety in relationship. When the mind is only concerned with knowledge, and not with wisdom, and wisdom comes into being only when there is an understanding of knowledge, and the freedom from the known. So our question is, can the mind which functions in, with conclusions, with images, Can that mind be free? Not tomorrow, not within a given period of time, but be out of this conflict altogether. And that is only possible, please listen to this, that's only possible when you have the, when you can learn how to observe, how to observe yourself and another. It's far more important to observe yourself and not the other. Because what you are, the other is. You are the world, and the world is you. The two are not separate. The society which you have created is you. This society 
the ugliness, the brutality, the extravagance, the pollution, all the things that are going on are the result of your daily activity. So you are the society, you are the world, and the world is you. This is not a mere verbal statement but an actual fact. And when you went to observe this, and to observe, your mind must be free to look and to observe so that there is no distortion. And distortion exists when you have opinions, conclusions, so that the mind is always fresh to look, to learn. You know there is a difference between learning and acquiring knowledge. Most of us, through college, university and so on, are very good at acquiring knowledge. To us that is learning, that is to accumulate facts, correlate with other facts, data. Our minds, our brains, are full of knowledge of the past. Knowledge is the past. And we are all the time adding to that knowledge. And it is necessary when you function as an engineer, as a scientist, or when you drive a car or speak a language. But learning, it seems to me, is something entirely different. Learning is a constant movement, constant movement in learning so that there is never an accumulation. For the accumulation is the me. The me that separates you and hence conflict. Wherever there is me, there must be conflict because it's the very core of division. And Love cannot be learned. Knowledge cannot acquire neither wisdom nor love. And therefore it's very important to understand this whole structure of relationship, because that's the basis of our life. From that all action takes place. If action is merely the continuation of knowledge, then it becomes mechanical. And our relation and it, our relationship becomes mechanical. When it is based on routine and knowledge, 
Therefore, when there is freedom from the law, then relationship changes totally. The second extract is from the first talk in Sarnen, 1973, titled What Place Has Knowledge in Transformation? How is the human mind to change? The mind that has been cultivated through millennia a mind that has been educated, conditioned, a mind shaped by the environment in which it lives, by the culture in which it has flowered. This mind has taken time to arrive at what we are now, ten thousand years or more, That mind is full of experiences, knowledge, images, symbols. So we are asking a question, which is, what place has knowledge in the transformation of human mind? You are following all this? We have acquired a great deal of knowledge, both technologically, oh, in so many ways, in so many departments, science, biology, or anthropology and so on, so on, so on, medically. And also we have acquired a great deal of knowledge in the field, in the area of the psyche. So we are asking, what place has knowledge? Knowledge being the past, What is its relationship to the, to the transformation of the human mind? Is the question clear? <coughs> I have a great deal of knowledge about myself. Why I think such things? What are the associations of that particular thought? Why I react? What are my experiences, my hurts, my anxieties, my fears, my insistent pursuit of pleasure, 
and the fears of love, of living and dying. I have accumulated tremendous knowledge about myself. I have watched it for fifty years, very carefully, observed all the subtleties, the cunning, the deceptions, the cruelties. When I am talking about myself, I am talking about you. Don't merely, don't put that cap onto me and say, you looking at me and forget yourself. We are talking about you. I watched. I've listened to dozens of philosophers, teachers, gurus. They give their knowledge, their experience. So I during these years, whether it's ten years, fifty years, or a hundred years, or ten thousand years, there's a great deal of knowledge has been accumulated. And yet I am just a mediocre, shoddy, second-hand, uh, cunning, stupid human being. I react so quickly to violence, to flattery. My vanities and pride are immense. I conform. I battle against conformity. I talk about art, teach a little bit of art here and there, play an instrument write a little book, become famous, notorious, wanting publicity. You know, I'm all that. I have gathered tremendous information, knowledge, and that knowledge is the past. All knowledge is the past. There is no future knowledge. There is no present knowledge. Please listen to all this. There is only knowledge as the past. And knowledge is time. Are you following all this? Now I say to myself, I know this. And also by careful objective, non-personal observation of the world, I see there must be total change in me as a human being, not only in my relationship with another, however intimate, my relationship with, with a man ten thousand miles away, my relationship with my neighbour, with, with human beings. I see there is a battle, conflict, misery, always asserting myself, the selfish activity, the self-centred movement. 
that's all knowledge. Now, what place has it in the human transformation which the mind sees also is absolutely necessary? So that's the question. <coughs> Will future experience, gathering more knowledge, not only go to the moon and to various other fields of knowledge, but also the knowledge of myself, gathering more and more and more, taking time, will that bring about change? That is, will time and knowledge, and knowledge is time, will that bring transformation in me, in you? Or a quite a different kind of energy is demanded? This is a problem we are going to discuss. You are going to, right? Are we meeting each other? Because, as we said, we are sharing the thing together. And to share something together You need both the both need a relationship of affection, consideration, inquiry. Right? Otherwise you can't share. We must both be interested in the thing we are sharing together. which means sharing together at the same time, at the same level, with the same intensity, otherwise you can't share it. So I have this problem. You have this problem. We know a great deal what others have said about us and what, I, what we also know about ourselves. And will that bring about change? That means, will thought change the human mind? You understand? Thought being the response of knowledge. Thought has created this world, right?
thought has divided the people as the Christians and the non-Christians, as the Arab and the Jew, as the Catholic and the non-Catholic, the communist and the Hindu, divided people. Thought has done this. Are you aware of it? Thought has divided the world as Switzerland, France, Germany, Russia and all the rest. Thought has brought about conflict between each other, not only religiously, (coughs) socially, economically, but also in our relationships. And we are looking to thought to change us. That's what we are doing, aren't we? You may not be conscious of it, but actually that's what we are trying to do. Is the picture clear? Not my picture, but the the picture. That thought, knowledge, time, which which are all the same, Time, knowledge, thought has brought about this world with all its confusion, misery, corruption, sorrow, pain out there and also in in here. And we say it all must change. Serious people say that, but They employ thought to bring about a change. You understand? So, I I question the whole thing. I see very clearly that knowledge cannot change. Knowledge cannot change my activity, my self-centered movement of you and me as two separate entities fighting each other. So what am I to do? You understand? Do put this question to yourself in all seriousness. When what is your answer? You see the world? and see yourself as the world, and you see 
what knowledge is knowing knowledge is necessary in certain fields of activity and also asking yourself can that knowledge which human beings have gathered for thousands of years about oneself as time can that knowledge time and thought bring about a radical human radical psychological revolution now take that thought look at it now how do you listen to that statement how do you listen to the statement what place has knowledge in human transformation how do you listen to it when you listen to those words do you translate it into an abstraction you understand what i mean by an abstraction draw from listening to that statement a conclusion which is an abstraction and therefore you are not listening to the statement but <coughs> listening to the abstraction you're following this are we meeting each other no i see we're not i've made a statement what play what place has time which is knowledge and thought in the transformation of human mind human being because there must be transformation now how do you listen to do you listen merely to the meaning of words or do you listen and in the very act of listening draw a conclusion <coughs> and therefore listening with a conclusion and not actually listening to the statement <coughs> have you understood you see the difference when you listen to a statement to this statement and draw a conclusion an abstraction then thought is in action you follow this oh. so this is i'm not being clever and not this is not an intellectual thing but you can observe it in yourself 
words. Let, put, let me put it this way. Can you think without a word? Without an image, without a symbol? Now, I'm asking you that question, please, listen to it. Can you think without a word? Without a symbol, without an image, if there is no image, no symbol, no word, is there a thinking? Right? Now, you listen to that. What do you do with the, with the act of listening? What have you done after listening to it? Go on, please. You're trying to find out, aren't you, if there is a thinking without a word. And you say, by Joe, I can't think without a word. I must have an image, a symbol, otherwise there's no thinking. So, the thinking, the word, the symbol, the image, is knowledge. And that is time. And so, can that time change the human mind? And all philosophies, all religious structure is based on thinking, which is knowledge. And we are looking to that knowledge to bring about a change. And I say, that's not possible. It's impossible. I must see that very clearly, see it in the sense, be sensitive to the truth of that statement. The truth being that knowledge, though necessary in the world of action, how to drive a car, language, in the field of science and so on, knowledge is necessary. But knowledge as a means of transforming the human being has no place whatsoever. Do you see the truth of it? The third extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk at Brockwood Park in 1980, titled Ignorance and Knowledge Go Together. 
So the prob- one of the problems is, perhaps that's the major problem, that our thought has created this society, our thoughts have brought about this religious structure without any meaning, our thoughts have built this world about us, apart from nature, apart from the animals, apart from the earth. Otherwise, thought has built all this about our churches, our gods, our religions, our politi- political system, right, left, centre, extreme, ex- this or that. It's thought. And thought must be always limited, because thought is the outcome of knowledge, and knowledge can never be complete about anything. Knowledge is the process of time, the accumulation of experience, not only yours but all the past generations and generations, it's the knowledge that we have stored in the brain. And that knowledge is always incomplete, it always goes with ignorance. Ignorance and knowledge go together. And out of that knowledge, memory, thought. And so thought is, under all circumstances, is limited, narrow, must be fragmentary. It may create the most beautiful bridges, these marvellous cameras, the battleships, the submarines, the latest guns and so on. And also thought has created all the things of this world, like beautiful architecture, but not the streams, the rivers, the birds, the, the wonderful earth in which we live. And thought has created the images which we have put in the churches, in the temples, and so on. So thought, by its very nature, is fragmentary. And we, the whole of our our being, our struggle, is the movement of thought. Please do. Are getting tired? You can be, I don't care. 
this very serious thing we are talking about. And we rely on thought to alter the course of our life. And when thought alters the way of our life, that way of life will be fragmentary, it will not be whole, complete. When it comes to the point one realizes all this if one has gone into it at all and one comes to a certain wall against which you can't go further. Because we are still operating (coughs) with the only instrument we think we have. (coughs) That instrument is thought. Thought, desire and pleasure and fear, which are all the movement of thought. We'll go into that a little later. So, through thought we think we can break through this pattern of of the brain which has been evolved through millennia. I wonder if we see that. Thought cannot possibly break through. It can only create further fragments, because in its very nature it is limited. Right? Can we move from there? Knowledge is necessary, technological, surgical, engineering, scientific knowledge and so on is necessary. But the knowledge that one has psychologically accumulated through millennia as human beings is that necessary at all? You understand my question? You understand my question? Yeah. I must have knowledge to go to my to the room I I happen to live. I must have knowledge how to drive a car, how to write in English or in French or Spanish or Sanskrit, so I must have knowledge to earn a livelihood, skillfully or otherwise. That's absolutely necessary. But why should I have this accumulation of psychological knowledge? You understand my question? Which is the centre of me, right? My egotistic pursuits, my egotistic demands, activities, the whole of that is based on knowledge. That knowledge may be transmitted into the future, modified by the present, but it's still knowledge. 
And psychologically, why should have any knowledge at all? Knowledge being, when, I, when one is, has a relationship with another, intimate or otherwise, one is, creates through time, through various forms of conflict, pleasure, and so on, so on, the image that one has about you and she has about you. That image is our knowledge. I don't know if you are following all this. Right? May I proceed? That knowledge is fragmented, obviously. I can't know all about you. I may know all about you at a totally different level. That's I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the physical, daily existence. In, in which there is so much conflict between, between two human beings. And that conflict is brought up, uh, comes about through this constant building of images between you and the other. No? And can that image-making come to an end in, in our relationship with each other, as a man and a woman, or mother and child, and, and so on, so on? Can that image-making come to an end? I say it is possible. It is. It can be done. We have potential to create the image, we have also the potentiality to break down that image. That is, why does the mind, thought, and also the brain create the image? This is, please, this is very important to understand because the wholeness of life, if one comes to that, that sense of total integrated whole, then all conflict ends. And as long as there is this movement of thought creating images between oneself and another, that sense of destructive individual narrowness will also destroy the wholeness. The final extract this week is from the sixth talk in Bombay, 1981, titled Meditation is the Understanding of Knowledge. Because meditation is the understanding of knowledge, not sitting some 
repeating some phrase, following a system which somebody has laid down, whether it's Buddhism, Buddhist meditation or Tibetan or Zen or your favorite guru putting out his particular form of meditation, is not meditation. Because it's all based on thought. Unless one understands this very deeply, that the nature of thought, because it's the outcome of knowledge. Please follow this. It is the outcome of knowledge. And knowledge is never, never complete. And so, Thought is never complete, and its action then must inevitably be incomplete and therefore conflict. If you, as we said, we are thinking together, the speaker is not laying down any law, he has no authority. Is not a guru. He has no followers. As the follower destroys the guru, and the guru destroys the follower. And we are inquiring into the nature of knowledge and meditation is the ending of knowledge. Our consciousness is the custodian of knowledge. Please, let us Think together about all this. Don't accept what the speaker is saying. He may sit a little higher on a platform, that's merely for convenience. Little height doesn't give him any authority. But if we could, for a change, cooperate together in our thinking. We are walking along a path, a road, not my road or your road or the Guru's road. We are human beings and we are walking together, investigating together, thinking together. And so please don't go to sleep. We are together examining what is meditation. Not how to meditate, which be then becomes mechanical, which then becomes a repetitive, meaningless 
illusion. But meditation is the way we live. Meditation is part of our daily life. Not that meditation is something separate, but an actual activity in our daily life. And our daily life is based on knowledge, on memory, on remembrance, which is our life is based on the past, the past experiences, the past knowledge, the past incidents, and all the remembrance of all that. So our life, our daily existence is based on knowledge. Knowledge, both the scientific and psychological, the inward knowledge, and the vast technological knowledge which has been accumulated with such rapidity within the last fifty years or so. So knowledge is the basis of our life. That knowledge is acquired through experience, which then is stored up in the brain and memory and thought and action. This is a fact that we are always operating from the past, which is the known, meeting the present, which then is modified, the past then is modified, and then goes on the future. So our action is based on knowledge. How to speak a language is based on knowledge. How to drive a car, how to put things together, and also that's outwardly. Inwardly, it's based on knowledge, which is our relationship to each other. <laughs> which is the image that you have built about your wife, husband and so on. So, meditation is the understanding of knowledge and the ending of knowledge. As we said, our consciousness is the storehouse of knowledge.
knowledge of fear, knowledge of pleasure, knowledge of all the travail, the labor, the ang- of anxiety, jealousy, envy, the immense sorrow that mankind carries, the despairing loneliness, and all the and all those entertaining activity of, through which we escape from the actual facts of life. So all that consciousness is the storehouse of knowledge. You are the self and the self is the essence of knowledge. So meditation is the inquiry free skeptical inquiry into the whole field of knowledge which is our consciousness. To inquire freely you must have doubt. And doubt is an extraordinary factor that cleanses the mind. To doubt your guru, to doubt the tradition, to question your relationship. never accepting any psychological authority. So doubt, which is which gives freedom. It's like leading a dog on a leash. If you keep the dog all the time on a leash, the dog is never free to enjoy itself. So one must know the art of the whole movement of doubt, when to let it go and when to hold it back. So we are asking, we are saying, we are inquiring together, to please, together, which means exercise your brains. To inquire into what, what is meditation? As long as we function in the field of knowledge, which we are, we are acting, functioning, living in the field of knowledge.
And as long as we are doing that, we, our brains become mechanical. It becomes routine. Like going to the office nine o'clock in the morning and coming back home at five or six, whatever it is. This repetition, the constant mechanical way of living is essentially knowledge. One hopes that we are moving together. So our consciousness is the storehouse of knowledge. We know we are afraid, we know we are lonely, we know we are great sorrow, we know we are in depressed, anxious, uncertain, unhappy, trying to fulfill, trying to become, trying to get something all the time. All that is the movement of knowledge. So we are saying, asking, whether knowledge can come to an end. Not knowledge, the scientific knowledge, not the knowledge of driving a car, speaking a language, writing a letter, all the technological, physical knowledge. We are not talking about that. That must go on, that is inevitable. But we are talking about the psychological knowledge, which always overcomes, distorts the technological knowledge. That is, technology has invented most extraordinary instruments of war. And the psychological world is divided into nationalities, into various socialists, communists, capitalists and so on. The inward always overcomes the outer. Unless there is order inwardly, outwardly there will be disorder, there will be wars, and so on. So it is, becomes a very urgent, imminent, that we understand the whole psychological world of which man is. And that psychological world is the world of knowledge. Knowledge means time. Are, you, are we following each other in all this? Time, which we talked about the other day, there are three types of time. The biological time, 
the psychological time, the time by the watch, that is chronological time, the time as psychologically I will become, I will be, if I am not, if I am angry, I will be less angry tomorrow. All that implies psychological time. And there is the biological time in the genes in which time is involved, the growth from childhood to manhood. So time is psychological time is knowledge. To know myself requires time. To know myself, which is the self is put together by thought. I am, this is obvious, isn't it? Thought has put together the structure, the psychological structure of the me, the self. Through education, through their past knowledge, and so on. This nature of me, you, as the self, the self is knowledge, and that knowledge requires time. And to know oneself, we say that we need time. So time is knowledge, knowledge is thought. So time is thought. And we think the ending of knowledge, the ending of any fear, ending of acquisitiveness, Attachment needs time. We are saying time must have a stop, which is thought must have a stop. And that is meditation. To inquire, not follow any system, but inquiry, which means freedom. freedom to inquire. And you can only have that freedom if you begin to doubt, question, not accept any spiritual authority. Where there is authority in the world of the Spirit, it is not spiritual. It destroys the spirit of man. 